Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. I'm David Lally, the producer, and today we bring you an episode recorded live at the Buffini & Company Peak Experience event. You'll hear Brian share the seven chaotic leadership styles and then dive into the five qualities of a true leader. Let's listen in. Leadership. Nothing in my life have I avoided. I've avoided leadership more than taxes. I've avoided leadership more than any other deal in my life. And I didn't understand why for a very long time. At great cost, by the way. Great cost. Cost economically. Cost in a time. Major U-turns. I hired many CEOs in my past history to run Buffini and Company, and they were always set up for failure. And I had no idea why. Because I constantly abdicated this concept of leadership. Now, here's why. Because to me, I had this iconic idea of who and what a leader was. It's these Abraham Lincoln type characters. It's these, you know, larger than life world leaders. I just never could relate to that. And I wasn't willing to be something other than who I was. So I'm like, that's not me. So I, and I obviously don't have what it takes. So I got to get someone to go do it. Are you guys with me? So, that, and that's a little bit of my journey until I finally went through the understanding leadership starts with yourself and then it goes from there. And everyone in this room has a unique leadership style and opportunity. Now you may go, I'm not going to have hundreds of employees and I'm not going to do this and whatever else. But in contribution, first of all, as a real estate agent or lender, you have to lead your clients. Is that a true statement? And you have to lead your business. How many of you have an assistant or a team? Could I see your hands? Okay. Hey, you believe it or not, I'm telling you, 400 employees, my little real estate business with six. So much harder than 400. So much harder. Because here, you know, you're up in their story and they're up in your story and they're, they're talking to you about their kids and they're talking to you about this and when they're sick, you actually know it. Right? And it's hard to have these boundaries. It's hard to define these lines. And, and then you go through these dynamics, the natural dynamic. You know, I'm the leader. I'm the owner. I'm motivated differently than the person who answers the phone. But I've gone through it where I was totally frustrated because the person who answered the phone is not as jacked up about it as I am. I had a great man tell me one time, well, why don't you pay her what you make? See how jacked up she gets. Well, let's not make any mistakes here. You also have influence. You have opportunity. Some of you in your quantum leaps that you're going to make, you're going to expand your influence organizationally. You might expand your influence through charities, organizations, churches, many different ways for you to make contributions beyond what you do on a daily basis. Does that make sense? Everyone has, and I'm about to say something that I did not understand or believe until a couple of years ago. Everybody in this room has a leadership gift and a leadership opportunity and a leadership style. And our job is to uncover it. You cannot be my kind of leader. You've got to be your kind of leader. We can learn from all these leaders. We can learn from all these books. We can learn from all these sessions. You can learn from going to leadership conference. You can learn that. 
But at the end of the day, you got to chisel it out yourself. And it starts with yourself. When Michelangelo was asked about the statue of David and the genius of it, they said, how did you create that? He said, I didn't create that. God created that. He said, my job is to take the hammer and the chisel and just knock off the excess lumps. So I'm going to share with you that leadership is not discovered. Leadership is uncovered. Does that make sense? And you need to uncover your own leadership style. So, some of you are not sure how this applies to you. So let me walk you through it. Here's the definition of a leader. It's a person who directs and has authority and influence. A person who directs, has authority and influence. How many of you in here have a family? Could I see your hands? The most important entity in all of humankind. The greatest risk to the future of humankind. The biggest opportunity for all of humankind. I will share with you, nothing works as spectacularly as a family that's properly led. Are you guys hearing me? And this is the cause of so much tension in so many relationships. So what happens is like for leadership in the home, okay? And again, I'm going to say these things. This is what I believe. What I've witnessed on huge scales and then on individual scales helping people is the dads have a tendency to abdicate and then mama lioness has, then has to pick up the slack and she goes into control mode. And when mama becomes more controlling, she becomes less respectful. And when papa feels less respected, he becomes less loving. And it becomes a downward cycle. So leadership starts with yourself, then moves to your family, then moves to your career, and then moves to these organizations, these other places where you can exact influence. It could be one-on-one leadership as mentoring someone or taking someone under your wing. Buyer's agents, assistants, for sure, in your career. But then beyond that, and that's what I'm saying, the different levels of management. Self, family, in your career, and then outside. Oh, by the way, I've met many people in real estate who want to abdicate leading their business or family, but want to mentor, want to speak, want to do this, want to do that. And I go, what are you going to speak on? There's an awful lot of people who speak and who write books. What have you done? What are you doing? Are you guys with me? So don't go after that significance. Oh, I'm going to be on the church board. I'm going to be on this. I'm going to do that. We're we're helping this foundation. We're helping this charity, whatever else. And your home's all jacked up. You're not self-managing yourself. And your business wouldn't exactly be the model for people to come walking through. Did you all hear me? So when I give you a list, I tend to give it in order of priority. Where's the first person to manage? Self. Next. Family Family and home. Next. Your career, your business. And then after that, those other opportunities. Everybody with me? Yes or no? How many of you right here have at least three opportunities inside those four? Can I see your hands? Let's go. Here's what leadership is. This is the definition I gave at a leadership conference years ago to a bunch of brokers and managers from all over the world. It says a person who creates an environment creates an environment in which one or more individuals are moving in a coordinated manner towards the accomplishment of a goal. It's a person who creates an environment in which one or more individuals are moved in a coordinated manner toward the accomplishment of a goal. Okay, let's say it together. Leadership is what? Leadership is what? Is it a program? No. No, it's a person. Next, who does what? Stop there. Creativity is not whether you can draw or whether you can 
make music or whatever else. Creativity is the ability to put a problem into the subconscious mind and come up with a solution. How many of you can do that? If you cannot do that, you've never sold a home. Is that true? So you are creative. Not creative as other people might design in some ways. Some of you are. But very creative. To create what? An environment in which one or more individuals are moved in a coordinated manner towards the accomplishments of goals. I would highlight that definition. I would learn that definition. I would have that definition. I will share with you, it stood the test of time for me in 20 years of Buffini and Company. I had to lead our ship through the biggest storm of all time. We were 10 times the size of our nearest competitor. We were focused on one industry. To give you context, real estate lost 40% of its people in the United States. 40% less people. I'm not in the real estate business like you're in the real estate business. Real estate agents is the inventory that Buffini and Company deals with. Are you guys with me? So you say there's no inventory. They didn't take away the houses. Are you guys hearing me? In my business, 40% of the houses got destroyed. Now, what about the condition of the houses that were left? Of the agents that were left in the United States... 57% less income. If you looked at the agent income in the real estate business, nobody ever talked about this or ever has talked about this. Real estate agent income during the recession went down 87%. 87%. The market didn't go down 87%. Real estate values didn't go down 87%. My opportunity went down 87% and my business is optional for people. You have to have a license. You got to have a phone. You got to have a car. You got to be or work for a broker. You don't got to come to peak experience. You don't got to have a coach. And that's the industry I was in. And we were 10 times the size of our nearest competitor. So I got the opportunity to help create an environment in which one or more individuals, freaked out individuals, are moved in a coordinated manner towards the accomplishment of a goal. 80% of that was leadership, and the other 20% is we went to Canada. <laughs> Love you! So I do have a lot of leaders I do look towards, but I have now no longer do it out of putting them on a pedestal and creating an, a deeper sense of insecurity myself. Now it's a matter of looking at these leaders and going, what can I learn from them? One of the greatest leaders that I've ever witnessed in human history was Dwight D. Eisenhower. Now, let me tell you about Dwight D. Eisenhower. He's given a title. Listen, how'd you like this? Supreme Commander. And that's kind of above Caesar. Okay? He's given the Supreme Allied Commander. He is the leader of all leaders. He's in charge... Again, it's hard for us to disconnect from this in our generation, but you get connected to the greatest generation, as they call them, and the people. They believe the entire Western civilization was gone. They believe Western civilization. You go to Normandy and you see the English, the Canadian, and the American beaches where those guys went up those hills. It is stirring. He had to lead this. They have weather, 
They have 5,000 ships. They have a quarter million men. They're trying to do it in secret. And they're trying to rescue the French, the most difficult people on the planet. <laughs> Charles de Gaulle, there was a thing called the Vichy French. And the Vichy French were French people who went, no, we will fight with the Germans. I like their uniforms. The shoulder pads are very nice. And it, it does it for me, you know? This English, no, no, I do not do this. So there was the French resistance, but there was the Vichy French who were with the Germans. Charles de Gaulle, the leader of the French army, who got kicked out of his country a week before the invasion, he does a radio message and tells the Vichy French to rise up and resist the invasion by the Allies. Listen, Dwight D. Eisenhower sits down with all his generals. They're all pissed off. They want to hang the guy. Watch this, watch this, watch what they did. He takes out a piece of string. He goes, gentlemen, this is how you lead. He goes, if I push that string, it'll buckle up, it'll resist, and it goes nowhere. I'm not gonna push that string. I'm gonna pull that string. Now, Dwight D. Eisenhower was no, no little wallflower. They went in, they did this deal. One of the most impressive things when I went to Normandy is they put a time capsule there. It was October of 1944, and it was to be opened up 60 years later, so in 2004, I was actually there when they opened up this capsule, and I was so struck by the moxie that they put this time capsule in. There was a hell of a lot of war to fight, but they're like, we ain't giving up this ground. When the Allies took over Paris, Dwight D. Eisenhower appointed somebody to lead the parade that liberated Paris. Have a guess who it was? Charles de Gaulle. That's leadership. Now, you don't have to be that, and I don't have to be that, but there's something to learn from that. Are you guys with me? Here's what he said about leadership. He said, leadership is the art of getting someone else to do something you want done because he wants to do it. Or in translated in Ireland, a good salesman tells someone to go to hell in such a way they enjoy the trip. <laughs> I'm going to share with you seven chaotic leadership styles. Now, look up here. I'm going first. All seven I have committed. I have, at some point in time, done all seven of these things and sometimes done several of them simultaneously. I'm going to give you number one. The number one thing I see, the number one challenge to leadership is this. It's people pleaser. People pleaser. I always love this image. When Sally Field won the Oscar, do you guys remember this? She wins the Oscar. Now, by the way, listen, it was her second Oscar. But she stands up and there's a video and she goes, this means you really like me. You like me. You really, really like me. And everybody laughed. And by the way, everybody laughed. And nowhere more insecure in the world than Hollywood. And they're all like, <laughs> people pleasing is a disaster in leadership. Which means on occasion as a leader, people are going to be not pleased. Did you guys hear what I just said? I have people who love me who on occasion are not pleased by me. Enough about Beverly. We'll talk about this leadership. <laughs> Here's Herbert Swope. Herbert Swope won the Pulitzer Prize three times, an American journalist who was considered by a former British prime minister as the greatest journalist in the world, which that is shocking for that to happen. He coined the phrase Cold War. So you've heard of that. Here's what he said about leadership. He says, I cannot give you the formula for success, but I can give you the formula for failure, which is try to please everybody. Try to please everybody. The line between serving and pleasing is kind of small. Would you guys agree? 
the line between helping and giving and serving a client, like working from your heart and people pleasing is, is a tight line. And sometimes realtors will cut commission because they want people to like them. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Never in my life have I ever had a client who remembered a dollar I took off a commission. I remembered every one. Are you guys with me? You cannot lead by people pleasing. Then the next thing happens. It's the Scarface leadership mentality. Scarface. Scarface is this style. You don't confront things. You don't bring things up. You don't address things. You let it build. You let it build. And then all hell breaks loose. It's kind of like in a parenting style. The child is let go. The child is let go. The child is let go. And then they do something small. And then you come down on them like a ton of bricks. Got very quiet in here. Scarface is when you reach that point, you haven't led the way they need to be led. You haven't addressed it. You're tired. You're trying to keep up with your own stuff. You're producing. You're doing this. Now I got to address this. I got to address. You don't address that. You don't address this. You don't address that. And then you finally have enough. If you haven't thought about taking everybody out, you have never led. <laughs> Just one time. Say hello to my little friend. Just boom. Start over. Turn the building into a parking lot. <sighs> the next style is guts and glory. Guts and glory. Oh, I've done this. I'm going to give them the speech. I'm going to give them the talk. I'm going to empower them so much in the visceral essence of what we do. They're going to follow me over that hill. I'm going to give them my version of Braveheart. We got to do this. We got to go. George Patton was a great leader, but he was a guts and glory leader. He did a lot of great things, but he kind of struggled in this one area. Now, on one hand, it inspires and motivates, but on the other hand, it's sometimes disconnected from the ears of the audience who you're trying to lead. So sometimes as a leader, we think, I just got to say it louder. <laughs> They're not getting it. So I'm going to ramp up the volume. I'm going to ramp up the intensity. I'm going to sell the vision harder. And if I sell the vision harder, then it'll all fall in. And what we do is then, I got the wrong people. They're just not buying in. They're not, buy how could you not buy into this? I got the wrong people. Let me tell you, that's the last place you start. The first place is I'm the wrong leader. I'm the wrong leader. That's, that's where you start. Look in the mirror. That's where you start. Patton did some incredible things. He moved the third army in ways no tank army had ever been moved before. There was a part of it. So don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. There's a lot of stuff he did that was great. However, General Patton was a fantastic wartime leader and a terrible peacetime leader. Are you guys with me? You have to be able to do both. By the way, if the economy goes into recession, if the building burns down, if everything goes to hell in the handbasket, I'm your guy. I'm at my best in that. And I've had a hell of a time learning how to be a peacetime leader. Are you guys with me? It's very important when you lead that you understand who you're leading and how they're receiving it and what, how they're actually interpreting it, okay? And they might not need more guts and glory. They do, there's a little bit of benefit here. Is it okay to have some element of pleasing your people, yes or no? Yes or no? Yeah, otherwise you have a bunch of people who look like they suck lemons all day working for you. 
And by the way, they're talking to your customers and they're talking to whatever organization you have. If there's no pleasing involved, they're miserable. Okay, so you got to have some of that. Scarface, I want to show you how to do the right Scarface, but sometimes someone's got to go. You might not blow them all away, but sometimes one has got to go. You follow me? A little bit of guts and glory is a powerful thing. My staff love when I come in and, and tell them where we're going and I jack them all up and whatever else. But if that's all I do, they get exhausted and go, hey, how about we implement some of this stuff? Because this is how it feels. By the way, eventually, if you just do that, they tune it out. They tune it out. Are you guys with me? Can you see in corporate America how they screw this stuff up? You see how they do it in politics and organizations? Next, the abdicator. The abdicator. The absentee parent. Just like I shared, it can happen in a home. It happens in businesses all the time, especially in our business. How many of you lead a group and still sell yourself? Can I see your hands? Here's the deal. It's the hardest group in the world because... You're working with your own buyers. You're working with your own sellers. You've got fires to put out. You're doing this. You're doing this. And you got the family stuff. You got the financial. Just working with yourself in real estate is bloody taxing. And now I got to work with this team. Or I have an assistant go and I got to retrain them. Or I got this or I got that. I got this. I got that. So the natural thing, and by the way, this is natural in relationships, is when I get to this spot, when anyone gets to this spot, that we just kind of distance ourselves. It'll sort itself out. And it's easy to abdicate that to someone else. Or I need to get the right person. You figure it out. Because if I hire the right person, they'll come equipped to figure it out. That is disastrous thinking. Disastrous thinking. That, I guarantee you, your organization will rot from the inside. Because someone who actually has the chops to do what you're saying actually becomes the leader. And they cannot, cannot possibly serve you. Because you're the leader, whether you like it or not. Are you guys hearing me? How many of you have ever handed a lead off to someone in your organization and they didn't quite handle it the way you do? Could I see your hands, please? So maybe I go back to guts and glory speech. Maybe I go do this. Maybe I do that. Maybe they're the wrong person. I need a different person. I've done this. I have done this. I had a guy who I put on part of my team who I handed 67 quality referred leads to in a summertime. And he closed six of them. When we went back, 60 of them had bought. And my first thought is, I, after I kill him, I got the wrong guy. I got the wrong guy. We just spilled 54 leads. 54 leads are closed. I must have the wrong guy. Are you guys with me? Did I have the wrong guy? Turns out not. I was the wrong leader. Next one, the Joan of Arc leadership style. This one right here, I'd say, is the most common in this room. Here's how Joan of Arc works. You write this down. I'll do it myself. Here's the next Joan of Arc statement. After I'll do it myself, here it is. You ready? No one can do it like me. That might be true, and that it might also be a good thing. Nobody can do it like me. Here I come to save the day. Nobody serves their clients like I do. Nobody can put them down. Nobody takes care of nobody. Nobody's into the details the way I am. 
I must do it myself. I am fully responsible for everything that happens. Oh, by the way, sometimes I also want all the credit. Joan of Arc died. Okay? She's a martyr. My mother had a phrase for this for me years before. Brian, get off the cross. We need the wood. I've climbed back on that cross many, 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 many times, especially in the area of leadership. And what does it make? It makes me burned out. It makes me fried. It makes me feel overwhelmed. It makes me feel like there's no way I can grow this thing. Sometimes it makes me feel I've grown this thing too much already. It dulls the blade. And the last thing I'm interested in doing is growing or making a quantum leap or whatever else. Why? Because I've already outkicked my coverage. Because I can't give any more than I'm already given. Are you guys hearing me, yes or no? If you lead, you can get a lot of things done. Next leadership style, Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, oh my God. Another phrase my mother used to say, Brian, you're the patron saint of the lost cause, she used to tell me. So here's real Mother Teresa, by the way, Mother Teresa who goes mentored a mile from my house in Dublin, the center, the cradle of all civilization right there in Dublin. Mother Teresa was mentored in the convent. Dermot and I used to, and Kevin used to climb over the wall to go and steal the apples. We didn't want them to be fat. They were going to Calcutta. They weren't going to get a chance to eat. You people need to think from a different spot. <laughs> What's Mother Teresa leadership style? We build organizations of broken wings. I used to hire people who needed help. I love to impact and improve the lives of people. I got so much opportunity. I took on projects, not people. Are you guys hearing me? I hired people based on potential, not past performance. They have this potential. I hired a buyer's agent. After the one that couldn't close, I got to the one that couldn't show. She was like a grandma. She's a sweet old lady. She's a sweet old lady. And because I was the wrong leader, I facilitated that, facilitated that. And I came with this close from helping the sweet old lady to turning into Scarface. Are you hearing me? I almost say hello to my little friend, to grandma. <laughs> Lastly, Animal House. You know this, you've seen the movie, right? Good old Animal House. And it's just everything goes. We believe in freedom. We don't have systems. We don't have structures. I kind of let people be themselves. What you end up with is Animal House is fun in college. When you get older, it turns into one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> As I'm talking about this, have any of these leadership styles showed up in your business for you, yes or no? Anybody more than one? For me, on my leadership journey, I've had elements of all seven. So there you go. People call on me today and want my advice and this and that and fly around the world to give them advice on leadership. And the whole time I was fighting it, the whole time I didn't think I could do it, and the whole time I was making all these seven mistakes. So if there's hope for me, there's hope for you. Are you guys with me? Okay. So let's get into the solution side. Let's get into the five qualities of a leader. You ready? Here it is. The five qualities of an exceptional leader. Just, I want you to write in the word exceptional. It's not just any old leader. It's an exceptional leader. Number one. When I say number one, it means what? It's the most important thing. So if you only got one of these right, get which one? 
establishes and maintains priorities. Establishes priorities, maintains priorities. So that means you set goals, and then here's the priorities. You know, the king of prioritization was Stephen Covey. He said, most of us spend too much time on what's urgent and not enough time on what's important. Okay? So we establish and maintain priorities. How many of you have read the book, First Things First? I just would recommend that book, First Things First. To me, First Things First is better than Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. For me. And First Things First was one of the seven habits. But I think if you're going to lead anything, this is where it starts. I'd read Covey. Okay? Lord of mercy on him. He left us better than he found us. Next, purpose, goals, and commitment to serve. Those are the three things. Purpose, goals, commitment to serve. Purpose, goals, commitment to serve. That's what the priorities are. It's what's our purpose, what are our goals, and what's our commitment to serve. I want you to say them out because this is the priority. Here you go. Purpose, goals, commitment to serve. Any company I've ever seen that the main purpose is to make a profit, typically are the worst companies, big and small. Now, let me tell you, you better make a profit. And, and I believe in making large profits. But it can't be your purpose. Our purpose at Buffini Company, we call it our mission. Impact and improve the lives of people. That's our mission. How many of you have heard me say this before? How many of you have taken a tour through Buffini Company or plan to? Okay? It will help you build your company better than anything else to go tour that facility. Okay? But you walk through there, and I will tell you this, you'll see a lot of people who have a great sense of purpose. There's all kinds of people who do different things for me. But every one of them has a sense of purpose. And they all know the purpose. And they all know the mission statements. And they all know that. Okay? And many of you have been on the journey with me one time. i never forget this. I hired a new executive one time. And on all the name badges at Buffini Company, our mission statement and our core values are on the back. And i never forget, we were at this mixer, a client mixer, and we brought this new executive in. We had these badges that had these strings on them. And Mary Beth Eisenhardt grabs this guy badge, pulls it towards and says, what are the core values? It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> he didn't make it. Impact and improve the lives of people. By the way, that's what we're all about. Let me tell you, you get connected to your purpose and what's really all about for you, then your team will buy in. It's not just about dollars and cents and needing a job. Everybody needs that. But people want to have a sense of that their work has value and it has a bigger purpose. You guys with me? Next, core values. Live what we teach, practice servant leadership, excellence, our minimum standard. This is how we do our mission. We live what we teach, starts at home first, practice servant leadership, excellence, our minimum standard. All the coaches back at Buffini Company right now, we're live streaming this event to them. So your coaches are connected to you and we want the coaches to get the information and, and many other people too in the organization because we want to live what we teach. Practice servant leadership, okay? It's all about washing other people's feet. It does, practice servant leadership doesn't mean you lead the servants. If you get a promotion inside Buffini and Company, it means you get to wash more feet. It means you get to serve more people. It means you just became lower in the organization to prop up more people. Does that make sense? Excellence is our minimum standard. If it's not excellent, we don't do it. We're not excellent. By the way, and again, I've talked about this many times, the difference between excellence and perfection. And, and there's all kinds of then underneath each one, underneath each one, live what we teach. It has work by referral, a commitment to personal growth. Okay? I want to go through these quickly, and I know you want to write them down. Practice servant leadership, mutual respect, serve each other, 
communicate with each other the way the person needs to be communicated with. That's why everyone at Buffini and Company has their heritage profile page sitting on their desk and sitting at their door so that each person can communicate with one another the way they need to be. Tour the facility, you'll see it. Excellence are minimum standard. If it's not excellent, don't do it. Always take the high road, exceed people's expectations, and win, and win. Come on. Got to have a little brave heart in there. And what's the purpose of being together? Don't copy them verbatim, although you're free to. I'm not, it's not about that. But what resonates with you in there and what applies to you? How many of you have ever gone into a hotel and they have a set of mission and values? We want to treat the customer like this. And then the, the soup Nazis behind the counter. The worst is hospitals. I t- Take that down. A bunch of executives went away for a golfing weekend and came up with this after three martinis. You gotta live it. Are you with me? If you're congruent to it, boy, oh boy, people will take a bullet for you. Next, communicates. You gotta be a good communicator. The single biggest problem in communication, according to George Bernard Shaw, another Irishman, is the illusion that it has taken place. (laughs) What did you hear me say? Listen, what did you hear me say? Follow it up in writing. What did you hear me say? And then follow it up in writing. That is a great way to communicate. Here's the three ways you communicate. You ready? I'm going to give you three how-tos. First thing is you've got to cast a vision. Here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. And here's why. Okay? And here's what it means to you, by the way. If we sell 25 more homes, you're going to get a chance to get a $400 bonus on each one. It's an extra 10 grand. Let me ask you this. What would you do with 10 grand, Sheila? Sheila, what would you do with 10 grand? Think about 10 grand. When I do this, I take out cash and I show it to my leadership team. I've done this many times. Not that they're all money motivated, but I go, what would you do with 10 grand? 10 large right here. I let them feel it. (laughs) Touch it. We're going to impact people's lives. We're going to have a ton of stories. You're going to take a bullet for these guys. You're going to do this. And oh, by the way, we do that. You get 10 large. I'd buy a new car. I'd go on vacation. I'd go do this. I'd go do that. Are you with me? How many of you want to come work for me? Giving context. When you're communicating, you got to give context, okay? They have to understand why, and you take just a little extra time to tell them why you made the decision behind the decision or behind the plan, and even if they don't agree with it, they'll go for it. Did you guys hear what I just said? And then lastly, delivering encouragement and accountability. In this order, put number one over encouragement, number two over accountability. You want to know what the formula is? You want to know the formula? It's one to four. It's one to four. You have to give four encouragements for every one accountability. So it's only 20% of the time can you do the accountability. Okay, here's my problem. Let's fast forward to heritage profiling. I'm a refiner. My staff will do this. Great, 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 great. And I go, that's great. And I lead with, now here's the one thing we need to fix. I'm telling you, it's almost like a freaking sickness. And I keep forgetting, I have to slow down enough to acknowledge when they did the great stuff before I give the refinement of what we need to improve. You need four encouragements for every one accountability. If that makes sense, say aye. aye. Anything less than that, you're doomed. Now, I've seen people who, who think you need to go nine to one. That's just, I have too much Scarface for that. <laughs> Next, coordinates, coordinates. That's what a great leader does, you coordinate. You're the orchestra leader. Kenny Blanchard said it this way. This, I love this quote, watch this. None of us is as smart as all of us, okay? None of us is as smart as all of us. 
So watch this. Here's how you coordinate. Here's your three tips. Invites input. Oh, yeah, I'm open. I'm open. Try this at home. How do I need to improve? Go on. I'm open. Listen, some of the input that will make your business better is right at home, is right in your business right now. If you're open to personal growth, be open to personal growth. I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to give you a formula so that you don't get butchered by it. I'm going to show you how I do it with an organization with hundreds of people. Okay? Invites input, orchestrates collaboration, and oversees the execution of the plan. How many of you have access to be able to go to iTunes? I want you to go to iTunes, and I want you to download the Graceland album. Remember Paul Simon? I'm going to Graceland. And he, there's one of the songs in there is actually a description of the collaboration of how the song was created. And people in South Africa and people in America and people all over and how he collaborated to make this song. It's one of the best leadership pieces I've ever heard. I found it by accident. My son name is Alex. I call him Al. I'm the only one who calls him Al. So I downloaded the album so I could give him the song, You Can Call Me Al. And he plays it around the clock. His buddies are like, what are you, 40? <laughs> but in that album came this great little gift. And it's the most beautiful description I've ever seen of collaboration. It's a, he just talks about it. So look on Graceland and look for the collaboration on Graceland. Okay? The song. Number four. Leads by example. Leads by example. Leads by example. Albert Schweitzer, one of the great human beings who's ever lived, said this, example is not the main thing in influencing others, it's the only thing. By the way, when kids are small, you don't lead them, you control them. Later on, if you try to be a controlling parent, you will not have a relationship. The only thing you can do with your kids later on is influence. As a leader, the thing I want to do is control. The only thing I can do is influence. Control, you used to get away with control in the 40s and 50s in business. Not anymore. Not with the way the world has changed. Not, and I'll be honest with you, as every uh, generation kind of bangs on the one that's coming after us, in many ways, I see greatness in the generation that's coming. Innovation, energy, in many ways more grounded, not caught up in as materialistic pursuits. A balance is a concept. There's a lot of great stuff coming, folks. Goofy stuff and great stuff, right? Got to influence if you want to be a leader in the future, all right? Here's the three tips on how to lead by example. You do the dirty work. Uh, my staff know I have done the dirty work in many, many areas, especially when it came in this business, getting on airplanes and traveling. I would never allow anyone in my staff to be away from home as much as I was ever away. Never. I had a staff person get married who was a key person on the road. I said, his wife also worked for me. I said, you both got to come on the road or you got to not be on the road. Because your first year marriage, if you're living on the road, you're done. So I'm going to do the dirty work. I've, I know where I've at. I know what Bev and I have decided. I know how we've worked at it. I know what it's taken. I'm not going to put someone else through that. Are you guys with me? Okay, you got to do the dirty work. You lead from the front. Next, protects the team. Protects the team. In my world, people come along, and this has been since I was in real estate, and they would blow kisses at me, and I want this, and I want that, and I want this, and I want that. How somebody treats my staff is a hell of a lot more important to me than how they treat me. Years ago, we were going to do our Mastermind Summit, bring 5,000 people to a hotel in Florida. 
And I came in and they had a giant suite and flowers and bouquet. looked like an old Hollywood type was coming in. Doris Day Buffini. My staff, they treated like crap. We had an adult conversation. Not happening. I pulled the whole event. We moved it to Disney World. We did it in a place they'd never pulled off an event in their lives. It cost a lot of money. It cost a lot of time. But I go, if this is how they're treating my staff, this is how they're going to treat my clients, not happening. In my business, if you kissed my butt and treated my assistant bad, you were dead. No chance. Bring her wine. Don't bring me wine. Bring her tickets to the ball game. Don't bring it to me. Your job is to protect the team. By the way, when they see you protect them, they'll take a bullet for you. Are you guys hearing me? You got to go first. The next way you lead by example is delay gratification. You delay gratification. I'm going to tell you this. You'll never be a great leader without delayed gratification. I hate this. I'm an instant gratification guy and I'm rapid. Let me give you a definition of entrepreneurship. This is brilliant. Living a few years of your life like most people won't so that you can spend the rest of your life like most people can't. That's what an entrepreneur is. That's who you are. That's who you are. We got to delay gratification, okay? When I haven't, it's hurt me and it's hurt my team. Lastly, five great characteristics of a great leader is your win. Your win. Your win. Favorite airline I've ever flown on in my life is Aloha Airline. The best service I've ever had, the best experience I ever had. We would fly direct from Orange County to the Big Island where we had our home, and I'd go there eight times a year. And I would buy eight first class tickets there and back. And every time it was the best experience I ever had. And they went out of business. They went out of business. And the really sucky airline is still in business. But these guys, they had a commitment to serve. They had a commitment to, to service. They had a commitment to doing a great job. Their planes were clean. Their food was great. Their staff were well-trained. But they didn't do the things you need to do to win and now they're no more. I'd have paid a couple hundred bucks. If you'd have asked me, I'd have paid a couple hundred bucks more per ticket. They never asked. And as gas went up and as things changed, they had the same price every time. Over a five-year period of time, I was paying the same price all the time. They didn't do the things they needed to win, and a great company goes out of business. You gotta win. By the way, nothing gets a team jacked up as a win. Winning is a fragrance that covers everything. It's the ultimate perfume. Bad teams become great teams when they win. Problems in the locker room go away. Little stuff disappears when you're winning and when they're winning and when there's a benefit to them. Are you guys hearing me? That means you set a goal and you hit the goal and you beat the goal and winning becomes who you are. Abraham Lincoln. Most people wouldn't think of this. They think of this great statesman and the big hat and whatever else. This guy was in the bloodiest battle. 650,000 people died, more than all the American wars in its history combined. When the population was a third of what it is today. Don't mistake what was at the man's essence. Bear in mind your own resolution to succeed is more important than any other thing. Oh yeah, I want to free the slaves. Yeah, I want emancipation. Yeah, I want to save the union. Yeah, I want to do this. And in order to do that, we got to win the war. Did you guys hear what I just said? 
Let me give you three ways to win. You ready? Sure? First, acknowledge the team. You want to win, you acknowledge the team. You acknowledge when they do it and how they do it. GE did a survey of their staff years ago, and by a factor of nine to one, the people would rather be acknowledged than paid more money. Walk around Buffini and Company, and you'll see how there's acknowledgments on everybody's desk and how they acknowledge one another. You'll see it. Next, rewards the team. When you win, they got to win. If not, it's logical that there's resentment. Now, have you ever hired someone who wants to be rewarded the same way you get rewarded, yes or no? Okay. The ability to generate a lead, make a sale, and close a sale is not the same as someone who has the ability to fill out the paperwork, do the transaction, follow up on the details. It's just not. A surgeon gets paid differently than a nurse. Are you guys hearing me? Sometimes you'll have people who don't understand that philosophically, whatever else, ideologically. Understandable. Just, you know, you set it up ahead of time. You want people who go, who understand. Oh, by the way, one of the things for us, when we hired a lot of new, newer people, when they didn't have experience working somewhere else, they had nothing to compare us to. Are you with me? So we found it was usually good to have someone who had a few previous experiences. So, man, this is awesome. The people who are the happiest at Buffini and Company were the people who worked at crappy companies. Now, a little tip on this. If you're interviewing them and they're bagging on their previous company, don't hire them because you're next. If they bag on them, they're going to bag on you. Are you guys with me? If it's hard to pull out of them how crappy a place they worked at, that's who you want. Are you with me? So you acknowledge the team, you reward the team, and then you establish the next challenge. Don't think people are afraid of this. Now, I'm a guy who raises the flag all the time, and I can create people, their security. <gasps> What's he going to do next? And I, I'm a little wild in that regard sometimes. But even the most security-minded, focused person who works for me, at the end of the day, they love when I want to go after the next hill. They just want me to have a plan so we all don't die on the next hill. And I've learned now that's, that's the same for me. John Quincy Adams said this. I love this. He said, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, and do more, and become more, you are a leader. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. We hope this episode encourages you to not shy away from leadership, but to embrace your unique gifts, styles, and opportunities as you lead in life and business. Before I sign off, I wanted to share a review. One listener, Fred 00273392, left on Apple Podcasts. Must listen weekly. Great wisdom, great insight, and inspiration. Thank you to Brian, the team, and Mama for the blessing. Well, thanks for the review, Fred. We love hearing how the content is impacting you. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and share it with a friend. And as always, I leave you with a little Irish blessing from Brian's mom, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. Oh,